anyone? Bueller? Heather's making copies. Again, only two people got that reference. I am gonna need to update my cultural references. Goodness gracious. <laughs> no, never. You will never see me on there. <laughs> so last week, just as a recap, we got, uh, we're gonna cover today a biblical name part two. And this one, I guess, is a subtitle. It's called Perspective. And it's gonna re reflect as far as the history of solid and again, the meaning behind the name, but it's also gonna hopefully give you guys perspective or a change of perspective if you need it. But as a short recap and point number one, we saw last week that the response to darkness is what? Light. Again, very, very simple, very, very common, but just, I don't know about you guys, for me, it was refreshing to be able to look back and be like, man, you know what? Ever since the beginning, ever since before humans were created, there was darkness. It always existed because of, as we saw, Lucifer's fall and what he did when he actually was the one that introduced sin into this planet. There's always been darkness. It's been in the beginning. And we talked last week that darkness always exists. It's going to exist until light is shed to absolve the darkness. You know, there's a thing in English class, by the way, that's called context clues. Andy obviously slept during that. I passed Rory's English um, degree out, so I'm Because you got Jamie Stephen's notes, Andy. Jamie's English. That's right. That's right. Jamie passed English at JBI. Thank you for the recognition. Darkness always exists until light is shed. That's why we need to remove the bushel, if there's one on our heart, and let our light so shine before men in this dark place. And we talked last week, again, in Genesis 1, 1 through 4, that at the end of that, when God said, let there be light, he said that he set a division or he set the light apart from the darkness. We are called to be set apart. We should be different in this world. We should not look, sound, talk, and act like our lost friends at school, our lost family members, lost kids that are in our neighborhood or friends that we have around us. For those of you guys that work, lost people that you work with, we should not look and sound and act like them. We should be different. They should see that there's something unique about us that draws them in to want to know more. And we see that all throughout the Gospels with Christ and specifically in John chapter 1. We see that darkness, we saw this last week actually, John 1, that today there's still darkness. But the answer to that darkness is the same just as it was in the beginning. It is to let our light shine forth. That's what John the Baptist did. He was brought forth to, as a forerunner to let that light be known and to manifest the name of Christ to the lost world. Same as the beginning, letting it shine. So I've got to ask you guys a question. How would you do this past week? How did you do it letting your light shine? It's rhetorical. You don't need to answer. How did you do if you were to evaluate yourself, if you were to actually just sit and be still, I love it. There's a verse in Psalms, and we'll talk about this later too in the weeks to come. Beautiful verse in Psalms. I think it's Psalm 4-4 where it says, Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your own bed. And I love it. We don't do that often enough. There's so much of just noise, 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 busy, busy, busy. We always feel like we need to be doing something. We're always on our phone looking for the next new thing, looking for the next uh, thing to captivate our attention, looking where do we got to go next. And it's just so busy around us that we really, in this society today, we don't take enough time just to sit and be still and to let what's in our heart come forth. I find that in moments of my life when things are just so busy going on around me, I'm just so run thin throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month. If I just take 20 minutes, an hour, and I just lay down on bed, not fall asleep, but I just in quietness and stillness, turning the phone off, no music on, no show on, and you just sit and think in silence. How did I do this past week? What could I have done better? Where could I have been more effective? When I sit and do that, God starts bringing things to the surface from my heart that I didn't even know was in there. And then you're like, man, I didn't even realize that was an attitude I had this week. I didn't even realize that that was a behavior that I was exuding this week. You can look that up later, Andy. Exuding. Dictionary. 
I didn't even realize that this is what was really on my heart this week. And man, Lord, I, I guess if I would have dealt with this sooner, I would have been more focused and I would have had a clearer perspective on what you want me to do this week, who you want me to talk with this week. So, Lord, going forward to next week, I, I ask that you would cause me to be a little bit more vigilant on this, that you would allow me to, to let my light shine more in this area. Try that out this week. Be still and just let God bring things to the surface as you just evaluate. How did I do this past week of letting my light shine? You'll be surprised what he reveals to you. We don't do that often enough, especially in today's society where we're just busy, 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 busy. Running here, running there. Constantly going from one app to the next app. Constantly going from one activity to the next activity. Times we just need to be still. So that was a recap from last week. Before we go any further, can I get a volunteer to go ahead and pray for us? Bueller. Another old reference. Gavin, go ahead. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. Thank you that we be here at your house and just really uh, hear what you have to say to us and what Corey has to say as well with, to us. And uh, I just pray for this week that we can all just uh, shine a light as well. And I just uh, thank you for this opportunity that you give us uh, at our schools and at um, our sports that we can all just uh, take the opportunity as well and use them for Amen. Amen. Thanks, Gavin. So point number two on your outline. As it pertains to perspective, I want to do a little bit of a history lesson. And I wanted to show you guys the birth of solid. And really, for me, it starts with this picture here. The first FBCJ senior high camp. Now, the church was started in 2000, but this was the first year where it was just our senior high. Years prior, we did it with other youth groups. Uh, first Baptist Church in New Philly was our send-out church. This was the first year where it was just the senior high, just us, 2003, at the Discount Drug Mart is where it all began because you can't start camp without getting some snacks. And you probably can't see me, I'll show you in the next picture here, but our camp speaker that year was none other than Mike Blake. And Mike Blake, for some bizarre reason, needed to grab a water noodle. So he purchased two water noodles for reasons that to this day we really don't know, but it's Mike Blake, so you don't really need to know the answer to that question. But it was kind of neat on the way, we were driving on the highway this is back before we had buses, by the way. You ought to be thankful for the buses you have for camp. We had passenger vans that we drove in those years. With Pastor Jay driving in the one, constantly going over the rumble strips on the highway the entire time down to West Virginia. And is Leah and Abby in here? We're the Klein girls. Ray, their dad, this was the year that before we went to the Discount Drug Mart, before we met at the church to leave, he decided to go out to his backyard and grab a nice, fresh, steaming pile from his golden retriever or Labrador, whatever dog he had back then, and put it in a Tupperware container, and then put it in the back of the van in the middle of June, all the way down in a four-hour trip to West Virginia. Halfway through, because we had to beg and plead with Jay to stop for a bathroom break because he doesn't believe in it or something like that. Halfway through, Ray decides to go in the back and take the lid off of the Tupperware for the remainder of the trip down. The theme that year was called Fear Factor. For those of you who don't know Fear Factor, before Joe Rogan got famous for uh, almost getting banned from Spotify, uh, Joe Rogan had this show that was called Fear Factor. It was basically just daring people to do anything that tempted their fears. And that was a lot of what started in that, uh, that camp. That was a theme. Here's a little bit of a closer picture, a little pixelated. And uh, just so you guys know, um, bunny ears were uncool even back in 03 in the double lots. And that's me giving Ray Klein bunny ears. You guys probably recognize a few others, like there's Courtney, and there's Mike Blake right there hiding, of course. This is Zach Bacho, the uh, future helper of uh, the GBC Singles Ministry, Val Clayco, Chelsea Mannion. That was us. You know what's interesting about this picture? I love this picture. Every single person that you see here, with the exception of the leaders, was either lost, saved but not walking with God at all, 
or saved but living a life that was missionless, without purpose. Every single person on there, all of them. That was the start of Solid. What? Is that Megan on the left? Yeah. Yep. Wow. Not Megan Winnica. Someone else. We'll get to that, though. That was the start of it. And me? I fell in the second category. I had been saved for two years of my life at this point. Was going to church every single Sunday. The past year as a freshman, I just started going to Wednesday nights consistently. Actually, uh, we didn't have Wednesday nights for the senior high. It was Sunday nights we met. I was going consistently every single Sunday, every single Sunday night for the last two years of my life, but was living a completely different life at home and at school. Was completely somebody else other than who I was made to be in Christ to let my light shine. I concealed it. I hid it for two years. And so on your outline, the birth of solid began with a single motivating drive. It was the drive that kept me from walking with God for two years. It was the same drive that kept many of the people that are in this picture from walking with God and shining their light. You know what that motivating drive was? Fear. Fear. That was the birth of solid. It began with this single motivating drive. It has a double meaning, as we'll soon see. But to kind of kickstart things, turn over to Luke chapter 19. Maybe this passage rings familiar to you. If not, it will once we start reading it. Can I have a reader to do verses 12 and 13, please? Alana, loud and clear. Yep, chapter 19, verses 12 and 13. What were those last four words there? Oh, real original, Corey. You just went ahead and took what Pastor Tom preached two weeks ago. You went ahead and took our, our mission theme, our vision verse, our vision passage for this year, and you just went ahead and put it on your study sheet. Oh, real original, Corey. No, that's God. Because this was the passage that forever changed my life. This was the passage that led to the birth of solid. I'll explain it here in a little bit. We'll go through just a little bit because I know Tom preached on it two weeks ago and I don't want to, I'm not going to rehash the entire story. I'm going to take some applications and kind of share them with you as they were shared with us from a senior high perspective. You guys know the story. We know the parable, especially if you were here two weeks ago. A certain nobleman, that's a representation in a picture of who? In this parable here, who does the nobleman represent? Jesus, Christ. And he went to a far country to receive for himself a kingdom. And you can't have a kingdom without what? He's the king, so don't say king. A king needs someone to rule over, right? So you can't have a kingdom without what? People. He came to receive the people, to receive the gleanings of the fruit that he invested in. And he gives these ten servants Ten pounds, and if you recall from two weeks ago, a pound, it's a monetary value. It is riches. It is wealth. Whether you realize it or not, if you're in here today and you're saved, you have a litany of wealth. Look that up later, Andy. You have excessive wealth. The Holy Spirit of God himself lives in and dwells inside of you. You realize the power that comes with? When you actually realize that and you consider verses like greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And if God be for us, that same God who is in us, if he be for us, who can be against us? That comes with power. You and I are not ordinary people. We have been set apart by the light if that light does dwell in you, if you're genuinely saved in here. 
We have wealth. And not only that, if you look at Romans 11 later and you look at Ephesians 3, you'll see that this book is equated with riches. It's the unsearchable riches of Christ. Not only do you have the Holy Spirit living and dwelling inside of you, you have His Word. You get to hear from God every single time you open up this book. I hope we don't treat this book like we do a textbook. Hope we don't treat it like a comic book. Hopefully we don't treat it like a, I can't say newspaper anymore because you guys don't even know what a newspaper is. Don't, read, don't treat it like a blog you read on your phone that we just scroll through aimlessly. So you guys get the picture here? The servants of the king have been giving wealth and they are to go to the land, the land that God has given them, and to occupy it. To take what God has given them and to give it and invest it to others. That's the picture. That's the mission. That's what we're all called to do. And we, for those of you who were here two weeks ago when Pastor Tom preached, you know the story. He, go, he sends the servants out, and then eventually there's a time comes where these servants are called to stand before their king. Understand something. For those of you who are saved in here, every actually, for those of you who are saved and lost in here, we all have our date in court. We all have our date in court. Those who have not fully trusted in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection on the cross as payment for their sins, you're going to stand before the great white throne judgment where you are going to be tried for your sins. You're going to stand before Him and give an account of your life. And if that blood is not covering your sins, the Bible says that He's going to cast you into a lake of fire that was never intended to be for you in Matthew 21 or 25. Read both those chapters, you'll find the answer. It was never intended for people to go to. It was created for the devil and his angels. So eternal separation from him. But for those of you in here that are saved, you're going to have another day in court. And it's called the judgment seat of Christ. That's what this is a picture of, where we all stand before him. Every single one of us. Everybody in here. Are you saved in here? Are you saved in here? I'll take head nods. You're going to have your moment where you're standing before the king who bled and died for you. What are you going to say? That's something to meditate on, on your bed as you commune with your own heart. That'll cause stillness. That'll cause things to come up to the surface of your heart. We all are going to have our day where we give an account, not for our sins, but for what we did in this life with the riches that He gave us. Will we have invested them? And we know the story. There was one guy who took his talent and he invested it in 10 people. And man, when he was standing before the king at the judgment seat of Christ, he got rewarded. He got crowns. He got responsibilities in the next kingdom that's to come after this one is done and away with. Man, what does that look like? I don't know. But we better get busy. And there was another guy. He was given the same amount of wealth as the guy who did 10, but he invested five. But you know what? That was good enough for God. God said, well done. You did something with it. Yeah, you didn't do 10 like the other guy, but you at least did something. Amen. I'll take it. Then you come to the last guy, verse 20. I know this guy. I know this rat. And another came, saying, Lord, behold, here's thy pound. Here's the wealth that you gave me. Here are the riches that you gave me. And I kept laid up in a what? In a napkin. That word napkin shows up three times in the Bible. You know what each and every single time it shows up in the Bible, what it's associated with? Death. Napkins are another word for burial clothes. What you'd wrap a body in. Lazarus had a napkin about him, and Christ had a napkin wrapped about him. It's associated with burial. This third case, the man who was given wealth who was given eternal life from his king, decided, I'm not going to do what my king called me to do. I'm not going to shine my light and be set apart for him. Instead, 
I'm going to bury this because I don't want my friends as I walk down the hallway to know that there's something different about me. I don't want my family who doesn't go to church, who doesn't believe these things of the book, I don't want them to know that something's different about me. I don't want to lose popularity. I don't want to lose friends. And so, because I care more about those things, instead of what God did for me and changed my eternity forever, I'm just going to bury this in a napkin of the earth. And it'll come uncovered one day at the judgment seat. But hey, at least I have my popularity. At least I didn't lose my friends. At least, at least my family still would talk to me. I know this rat because that was this rat for two years of his saved Christian life, living a completely different life at school, living a completely different life at home. But was somebody else completely different here at church? Do you guys know that rat? Is that you maybe right now? Join the club. Was for me. It was for most of the people in this picture here. So he hid it in a napkin. And look at verse 24. And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound. This is the servant who hid it in a napkin. Christ is essentially saying, Hey, take that, that wealth that you have. I'm taking it from you. And I'm going to give it to him that hath ten pounds. The only riches he had, the only wealth that he had, the only thing that, that, that God gave him and he decided to bury it and not share it with the world. He's in eternity in heaven forever, but he's got nothing. Nothing to show really that he was a child of the king on this earth. Nothing at all. So you see, it wasn't just fear of what are my friends going to say if, I, if they know I'm a Christian? What am I, what am my family going to think if I start telling them I want to start going to church and I start reading my Bible around them? What are they going to do? What are they going to think? These are all thoughts that were going through my head because I grew up in a home where my family did not go to church. I was, I was given rides by these two guys and their family who loved me and invited me to church. It wasn't just the fear of what are my friends going to think? What is my family going to think? It was fear of, after reading this, what is my God going to think when I stand before him? And I was so afraid on this earth to let my light shine that I wasted it, wasted my life. He spent every ounce and drop of his blood for me. And I was afraid to lose popularity. Talk about fear. That's a different kind of fear. That is a holy fear of God. Like Bobby was talking about on Wednesday night. It's the whole duty of man. It's the conclusion of the whole matter. To fear God rather than fear men. That's what we need to do. And it wasn't just that. We had, I talked about both judgments. We have the judgment seat of Christ. And again, this is the judgment that awaits all of us if we're saved in here. But you know something more? And this is what I love about Pastor Mike Blake. He took this passage and connected it with the other judgment, the great white throne judgment that all of the lost world will see. How did he connect it? With this verse right here. Many of you know it, you're familiar with it. But if the watchman, that's a picture of us, see, has perspective. If the watchmen see the sword come, or judgment, if Jesus Christ coming back to execute judgment on this earth, if we see it come and blow not the trumpet, warning the lost world, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity. Meaning the lost people, they're going to die. They're going to be separated from Christ forever. But his blood, the lost who were not warned by us watchmen, his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. Never forget this visual. Imagine you went through the judgment seat of Christ and you came up to your Lord, your King, and gave him your, your Bible, the Holy Spirit, the, the wealth and riches of your eternal life that God has given you. 
You gave it to him, buried back in a napkin. Here, I decided to live in fear of man. I decided to value more my popularity and my reputation and my good standing with my friends and family over you. Here it is. And then a couple days later, you're a witness on the trial of every single one of your lost friends at school. Every single lost family member that you have. And they're on trial at the great white throne judgment where they're being tried for their sins. And as judgment is passed upon them, they look over to you and they see, why are you over there? What is it you have that I don't? And why didn't you tell me? And at that moment, as they're sent off, for you never to see them ever again, you look down at your hands and they're covered in their blood. That's going to happen one day to you if you choose to live a life that buries what God has given you in a napkin. Every single person you go to school with, every person you work with, all of your family members who you have not shown your light to, your hands are going to be baptized in their blood. Fear. Solid began with a single motivating drive. Fear. This is another passage that talks about the judgment seat. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And verse 11 says this, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we do what? Persuade men. Again, contextually speaking, the terror of the Lord. You might think about judgment and being separated from Him for all eternity and, and the hell that awaits our lost family members and friends. The context is talking about the judgment seat of Christ. All of us who are saved, the judgment that you and I will see when we stand before Him. That's a terrible day. That should be a day of terror. And guess what? You're in here, you're saved. You have your day of court coming up. If the rapture were to happen today, you realize that it could be literally seconds from now that you'd be standing before him giving an account? Because time doesn't exist up there. If the rapture were to happen right now, boom. Maybe two minutes from now. Maybe two minutes from this very moment in time, you might be standing before him to give an account. Terror. We better persuade men. We better persuade each other. And we better persuade the lost world to get saved. Man, at the end of this camp, this is where we realize that, man, all along, we were just a youth group. We were a senior high youth group. At the end of that camp, we all became a youth ministry. It was the death of the youth group and the birth of the youth ministry. We cannot ever let solid or edge get to the point where we become a group. A collective group of people that get together and we all have a shared value of something. The difference between that group and a ministry is you take that shared value and we do something with it. We minister it to those who need it. That is what we need to do. That was the birth of solid. We realized that if we were going to succeed and not live in eternity in shame, that we needed reminded of our identity of who we are in Christ. If you're taking notes, write this down next to Luke 19 as far as some applications. And you might have to write quickly. Your bad attitude towards God will change nothing but cost everything. Or your fear. You could even put fear. Your fear towards men will change nothing, but it could cost you everything. You might go into eternity with no crowns to lay before his feet. What a shameful day that would be. Another point. Everyone received the same amount to carry on with. Did you see that? Everybody got a pound. Everybody got the same wealth. We all have the same Holy Spirit living inside of us. We've all been given the same Word of God. We all, as you guys just got done going through a study of how to evangelize, we all have a story we can share, and it's our story. In other words, no excuses not to shine our light. We've all been given the same amount to carry on with. And note, 
as I already mentioned, God doesn't expect everyone to accomplish the same thing. Some of you guys are more gifted and more talented, and you got, maybe it's a personality where you draw more people in. That's okay. God doesn't expect everybody to draw the same amount of people in as the next guy, but God does expect everybody to do something. Something. Again, one guy got 10 that he invested in. 10 souls you could equate that to. And another guy got five, and both times God said, well done. Lastly, my ability to reign in the next kingdom is dependent upon my ability to carry on in this kingdom. Shining our lights, not hiding it under a bushel, not wrapping it in a napkin. Point number three. We realized as solid that who we were going to be as a youth ministry for that to happen, for us to know who we were going to be and, and what we were going to be about, we knew that we needed a change in perspective. A looking at where we have been and where we are going. Are you talking about the history of Solid or are you talking about Solid now? Yeah. It's good to know our history. It's good to know where we came from. It's good for me to be reminded of how it all started to look forward as to where we're going. And GBC, it's the same thing with you guys. You're going to be your own entity, but don't forget it started here. It started as solid. And now look forward to where you're going. Look forward to what God's going to do with you guys in that area. It was interesting. Turn over to Numbers chapter 13. When we got back, the immediate differences in our youth ministry, the fellowship was so sweet after lunch, we would all go to lunch together. Or, I'm sorry, after church, we would all go to lunch together. Second lunch. <laughs> Second, lunch. <laughs> Second breakfast and tea time. Lord of the Rings, sorry. We would all go to lunch together. You know what was interesting? It wasn't, hey, Benny, Matt, Josh, all of us, we're going to go out to lunch because uh, we don't really get along with them over there. But, hey, at least we're fellowshipping together. No, it was, uh, granted, yeah, there were 15 of us at the time. So it was a little bit smaller. But, man, we invited everybody. Hey, all is a youth ministry. Let's go out to Bob Evans together. And it was awesome because I just got a job during then. And so any scraps that people didn't eat, I would just eat and I'd pay for it. It was awesome because no one else had a job. Hey, I remember you even making a joke about that, Stephen. Oh, no wonder you pay for people's lunches. You eat all of it. Do it now while you're a teenager, while you still can. And make fun of Corey now. And make fun of Corey now. <laughs> if you take nothing else away from this lesson, day, no. <laughs> but that was just the camaraderie we had. Even the people that maybe didn't have the same interest as us. Do you want to come out to lunch? Because you know what, even though we may not like the same things, we love Jesus, and we love the souls of men, and we want to take this book, and we want to not hide it anymore, we want to invest it in others. And we had such sweet fellowship with that. And the other thing too, man, I, my parents especially, uh, I grew up in a, a, a broken home, and uh, from 13 on, I didn't want to say I grew up in it, but uh, man, when something changed in me, it was noticeable to uh, my family members who didn't go to church. It was noticeable to my family members who wanted to know, something's different about you. What is it? And it was rough, especially when you get a job and you, you start tithing as a 16-year-old, and then your, your family members wonder, why is this church making my 16-year-old son give money to the church? What kind of a cult is this that meets in a school? But you know what was great? As rough as things got for me in my home life, I had a haven of rest here. The youth ministry became my family. And if you're in a similar situation like that today, you still have a haven of rest here. The youth ministry is your family. And we ought to be that for those of us who maybe have it good. We ought to be that for those of us who don't and a love on him, and a treat him like a sister and a brother. That's what it was like here, and it was for me. It was a rest from home and a rest from school. It was a place where I could get recharged. It was so sweet. And we understood that time at school with the kids that we had, our classmates, we understood that time's going to come to an end. 
I don't know if you guys have thought about this. I don't know if you've heard this. I'm sure Stephen's mentioned it to you before, but do you guys realize that the kids you go to school with, you will never see 98 to 99% of them ever again after you graduate? That's a fact. And it's a fact for me. There's one kid I keep in contact with from my graduating class of 400 at Perry. One kid. That's it. I don't even see him. You're never going to see these kids again after you graduate. This is the only time you have to shine your light in a dark place that you're in. Philippians 2, if you want to write that passage down later, it says to all be of one mind, of one accord, and man, that was it. So evaluate your time in solid. Is it like that now? If not, what do we got to do to change it? Do we need to maybe, when we get together in fellowship, do we maybe need to draw more of our conversations away from worldly things? You know, don't get me wrong. I love shooting the breeze with you guys like anything else, but do we need to maybe draw towards, hey, what do we need to be praying about? What's going on in your life? I want to be able to pray about it with you. Just as an example, as one example. So perspective, where have we been and where are we going? And I love it because this passage in Numbers, this really was a defining line. This was something that I remember Jay preaching on to us after camp, as a camp follow-up in 2003. And it really helped us go towards the idea of getting solid as our name and getting our mission down. But we have this example of Israel. And the first bullet point there, we have Israel's past standing. Where have they been? And here it is. Exodus 13, and Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in which ye came out from Egypt, out from the house of bondage. It's a picture of salvation. They were delivered. Remember that. Don't forget you're saved. Don't forget you're a child of the king. You're a servant now. For by strength of hand the Lord brought you out from this place. There shall no leavened bread be eaten. And he says later on in verse 14 of the same chapter, it shall be when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What is this that thou shalt say unto him? By strength of hand, the Lord brought us out from Egypt, from the house of bondage. I love it. This entire passage is a remembrance of the time that we were lost. There was a time in our life before we knew Christ, and we were in our sin, and we were on a path to hell. But then Jesus Christ intervened in our behalf, and we got saved. And now we've been delivered from that wrath to come. And we need to tell that message. Your son's going to ask you about it. What's different about you, Daddy? What's different about you? Why are you set apart? Why are you light when the rest of the world is darkness? Hopefully people at school are asking us that. Hopefully our family members are asking us that. It means we're doing something right by letting him shine. So that was their past standing. And we come to Numbers 13. And look at verse 2. Can I get a reader for that? Here's Israel's future state of where they're going. Carson. Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. So they have perspective of where they've been. Now they're looking forward to the promised land. I need another reader for verses 17 to 20. Someone who can read fast. Sam. Fail, someone else. No. <laughs> and Moses sent them to spot the land of Canaan and said to them, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwell therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or men, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be ye of good courage and bring of the fruit of the land. And now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. I love that last sentence in there. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. In other words, now's the time. Now's the time to get fruit from the land. Where is it that Israel was going? They had just been delivered from Egypt, from the house of bondage, and now they're going into the promised land. The land that God gave them specifically to possess or occupy it. They're going there. And now's the time to do it. They need to do something with this freedom they've been given, not just keep the freedom buried in a napkin. They had to do something with it. And so they go out. There's 12 spies that are sent out. And then they come back and they give a report 
to their leader about what they see. And that's why you have on here the perspective of the 10. Next bullet point on your outline, the perspective of the 10. What's their perspective? What is it they saw? No, well, they didn't see anything good because the next bullet point on your outline, it was nothing but negativity and their negativity goes viral. Look at verse 26. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and said unto the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came into the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Man, there are so many lost people in my school and in my family and in my neighborhood at my work. Man, there is just a wealth of opportunities here to reach the world for Christ. Uh, nevertheless, verse 28, uh, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. In other words, I'm afraid of these people that are here. I'm afraid of talking to my friends and losing my friendship with them, my reputation, my person, uh, not my personality, but my uh, uh, popularity. I knew it was a P word. I'm afraid of that. And the cities are walled. In other words, there's these strongholds in my life, these sins that easily beset me. There's no way I can go in and conquer this land that you've given me for it. No way. And then look at verse 32. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched under the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it, it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. Remember our analogy last week. Darkness cannot eat up light. It's impossible. Your land, the inhabitants thereof, cannot eat up your light. They can't eat you up unless you let them, unless you decide to hide your light. Can't happen. So that's the report they give, and it just reminds us what Christ said in Matthew 9.37. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Out of 12 spies that went, 10 brought up a negative report that went viral throughout the rest of the church, the rest of the camp. And then you see that the virus spreads throughout the body. We won't look at verses 1 through 4, but that's what happens. Everybody else, they started talking about how a majority of them didn't want to do the work. They didn't want to go to war, even in spite of what God did for them by delivering them out of their sin and bondage. And then they started to complain about the people who were doing the work. It's a character trait. You see... That'll happen to us too. We'll start to take our salvation for granted and we'll want to return back to living in the wilderness, to living in sin, to living as though we were still in bondage in Egypt. If we're not doing the work, if we decide to complain about it. But then you got the perspective of the two. You know who the two spies were that said, uh-uh, no, we're sticking our ground. Who were they? Mad Dog and Jesus. Joshua means Jesus. Caleb means mad dog. What a great combination. The perspective of the two. You know what they did? Look at verse 30. Here's Caleb. Love it. Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up and once and what? Possess it. For we are well able to overcome it. Let us go and occupy the land because it's our land that God gave us. He gave it to us. He didn't just set us free from Egypt for us to just live here in the wilderness and hide our wealth in a napkin. No, we need to possess it. We need to occupy. That's the perspective we need to have. Oh, I love it. Check out uh, Philippians 3.14. You know what he did? Caleb had his eye on the prize. And Paul says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He kept his eye on the Lord and on the land that the Lord gave him. And he pressed towards that. Man, we need to keep a militant eye on the prize, and that's the land, or it's God. It's both. He wants us to do something with that. You have to have this militant mindset when it came to your school, and this is what we had after Jay preached this to us, and we started working towards the idea of getting our name down. When you're in your school, you can feel overwhelmed. There was a point in my time in the senior high sophomore year when I started walking with God where I wanted to transfer to Jackson because I was the only kid in my youth ministry that went to Perry. And I felt overwhelmed. And the Christians that I did meet there, they didn't, they didn't have the same vision. They didn't have the same passion, the same mission to reach their school. 
I wanted to transfer. And then it dawned on me, because I just felt so overwhelmed. I felt like I'm just being ransacked by the world. I felt like the darkness was absolving my light. I wanted to transfer. And then it dawned on me, after going through this passage, wait a second, I'm not locked in here with all of them. They're all locked in here with me. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That kind of militant mindset, that kind of let us go up at once and possess it, that's the land that God put me in. Before I was even born, he decided that I was going to be born in Perry and go to Perry High School. That was my land that he had given me to win for Christ. Where's your land? Understand something. This is the other thing I want to mention about it. It's not a school. You can't see it as a school like that. Did I just do the sign of the cross? You can't see it like that. You know how I actually visualized it and it helped me so much. I didn't see it as, oh, my school's my mission field. No. That property that's on 13th Street, right before you get to the railroad tracks, and it's got three schools lined up right there, that property, that building there, is a place where God has put giants, he has put walled cities and fortified fortresses. I'm redundant, sorry. That is the land that God has given me to win for Christ with this freedom that I've been given, with the light of the glorious gospel placed in my heart. That is the light that I have to shine to this dark place. Oh, by the way, it just so happens to also be a school. But that's beside the point. Do you see the difference? Do you see that kind of militant mindset that Caleb the mad dog had? The guard dog? You look at things like that. You will start every single morning completely different for your walk with Christ. You will completely you will enter into the doors of your school not defeated, not scared, not fearful. You will do what you've been called to do with the freedom that you've been given. And what is that militant eye? What is it? Last bullet point. It's fearlessness towards men and fearfulness towards God. Last passage as we look it up here. Look at verse 6 of chapter 14. Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. They were burdened for the people who didn't want to do the work, the majority. And they spake unto all the company of children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search, it is a good land, an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord. Neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. I'm going to eat them for lunch, Caleb's saying. I know it was Caleb, because he's a mad dog. He's the one saying that. Their defenses departed from them. Look what he says. And the Lord is with us. Fear them not. I want to do a quick visual to finalize things here real quick. Again, you can check out these verses on fear later about we sought the Lord, He heard us, delivered us from all our fears, and God's not giving us a spirit of fear. You can check them out. But I want to go back to this picture here. And it has to do with the passage we just read. So real quick, close up your Bibles. Be ready to go when I tell you to. AJ, can you go to that wall, please? Aiden, that wall. Noah, that wall. Ethan, left wall. Allie, that wall. Sammy, that wall. Jaden, that wall. Sophia, that wall. Matt, that wall. Bree, that wall. The rest of you, this wall. All right. Yeah, no. All right, listen up. Here's where we're going to end. Welcome to the remaining members of Solid Youth Ministry 10 years from now. Welcome to the remaining members of Greentown Baptist Edge Ministries 10 years from now. You guys, maybe you kept on for a little bit after graduation. 
And then maybe it was that you went too far away from school and you ended up getting drawn in there and you couldn't make it back on Sundays to church to stay connected. And then, you know, one thing led to another before you're not even in your Bibles anymore. And you just got so busy with school that it just kept hard to stay in contact, kept hard to be in the Word of God daily. And then next thing you know, you're starting to pick up a sin. And maybe it's your old sin that you had in senior high that God dealt with, but you're back in it again. And you have no accountability for someone to help you to, to conquer that sin again. So you just stay there. And before you know it, you meet somebody and you get in a relationship with them and they're not saved and they're not walking with God. They're not going to spur you to shine your light. Instead, they're going to encourage you to keep your light buried in a napkin. And now it's been two, three years since you've been at church and now you've married with them or you've gotten into further sin with them and now you're living a life of just burial. How do I know this to be true? 17% in Numbers 13. Caleb and Joshua, 17%, 20 or 83%. How do I also know that to be true? Four out of 16. Still walking with God today. Just four. Give or take one or two. You guys who are seniors. Actually, Bobby Brandy, how many people from your senior high days are still walking with God today? So you guys that are seniors, remember when you were freshmen, the seniors that you had in the class? How many of them are still around today? Don't let the 25% or the 17% be your reality. Let it be the 100%. Let's pray. Father, May we see where we've been so that we could see where we're going. And I pray that you would lead this charge, that you would give us a desire and a burning passion to do what is right, to please you. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.